This is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Kellums, and this is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, May 17, 2023. It was on this day in 1954 the Fayetteville School Board voted to begin integration of the high school the following fall. I'm Timothy Dennis. Later this hour, Candy Lee's new music designed for younger ears. She came to the Furman Garner Performance Studio recently with an all-star band to play some songs for us and to talk about her new recordings. We also have a book recommendation for younger folks. Jane Bosco's new book, ABC, Come Garden With Me, introduces children to flowers, herbs, and vegetables through rhyme. Author Jane Bosco will talk about the book in our second half hour. She'll be at Pearl's Books in Fayetteville Saturday morning. First, during the COVID-19 pandemic, Medicaid beneficiaries were protected from disenrollment. But with the end of the federal public health emergency, state Medicaid agencies are determining who continues to be eligible. The Arkansas Medicaid program cites that nearly 40 percent of enrollees could lose coverage due to income or contact changes. One population in Arkansas at higher risk for disenrollment? Marshallese migrants. As Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports, as many as 20,000 Marshallese legally reside in Arkansas, and many are working poor. Michelle Pedro is policy advocate and communications specialist for Arkansas Coalition of Marshallese in Springdale. ACOM, for short, provides direct services to Marshallese migrants who've settled in Northwest Arkansas, including Medicaid enrollment assistance. Pedro says she knows of at least 40 Marshallese families in the area, more than 320 individuals enrolled in Medicaid. We saw a lot of people coming into our office and, you know, they're just really appreciative that they can apply and be eligible for Medicaid. That's because Marshallese natives suffer with a unique array of health conditions traced to centuries of colonization and a decade of U.S. atmospheric, atomic, and thermonuclear testing on the Marshall Islands in the mid-20th century, then an American territory. As a consequence, the entire archipelago was exposed to varying levels of toxic radiation, according to the National Cancer Institute. Healthful indigenous foodways were also erased under decades of foreign occupation, with impoverished islanders becoming reliant on cheap commodity white rice, flour, sugar, and canned food items. The incidence of diabetes, heart disease, and hypertension soared. Under a compact of free association with the U.S., COFA for short, islanders are free to migrate to the U.S. to work, attend school, and obtain much-needed medical care. Prescription pills are so expensive now. Um, If they were going through dialysis, those treatments are pretty expensive, and people need it like three times a a week. And then people who have cancer, if they didn't have Medicaid, they would be in, you know, a huge financial burden. And most of our elders don't want that for their, their children. They don't want to be a burden to their families. Thyroid disease is prevalent in the population, as well as diabetes. Islanders don't qualify for U.S. Supplemental Nutrition Assistance support, she says, which could help. It's really hard. So diabetes has really impacted our our community. And so a lot of people need their insulin shots or they need um, metformin. Um, They need to get those types of pills, and those are pretty pricey, especially when, you know, they... They eat poorly, their health condition deteriorates fast. So Medicaid really helps with those, those types of bills. Which is why ACOM staff are waging a public information campaign to alert Islanders about current Medicaid disenrollment. So we're doing a lot of word by word of mouth and our Facebook page. So social media um, are utilizing our food pantry, letting people know, hey, you know, this is happening Tell your people, tell your families and friends that this is happening. If they need help, come to ACOM or, you know, just call, go to your local DHS county office and um, ask the questions that you need. And it's just weird because we just got Medicaid and now they're telling us, okay, you're getting kicked off of Medicaid. It's hard. 
what happened is that in early 2020, when a federal COVID-19 emergency was declared, states could opt to provide continuous Medicaid enrollment in exchange for enhanced federal funding. Between February 2020 and March of this year, Medicaid enrollment nationwide grew by an estimated 20 million people, contributing to a steep decline in the uninsured rate, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, dropping to the lowest level on record by early 2022. But with states now ending the continuous enrollment provision, data show that 70 million people across the country could lose Medicaid coverage. In Arkansas, that breaks down to as many as 400 to 22,000 individuals, including legally present Marshallese. Now, this benefit is new for Islanders, with Congress recently restoring Medicaid to COFA migrants legally residing in the U.S. in late 2020, after the original entitlement was nullified in the 1990s during welfare reform. Medicaid coverage was restored for Marshallese. Now, that was originally an oversight. Attorney Trevor Hawkins is Economic Justice Working Group Leader for Legal Aid of Arkansas, which operates six offices across the state. For the Marshallese folks, they've been covered by the continuous coverage provision throughout the pandemic as they first became eligible for Medicaid. And so renewals, notices, and things like that look different for them. Um, and now, uh, you know, those things are changing and, and it's it's going to be confusing for them. Up until last month, Arkansas counted more than a million Medicaid recipients, a perennially fluid number, but that number is now declining. In April, more than 73,000 Arkansans were terminated for failing to renew or meet certain income requirements. 75% of those were procedural uh, with 44,000 some odd um, not res responding to that renewal request. But most of the people that called us never got the renewal request. So that's that's the main concern. That's the big, uh, you know, um, we're really worried about that. But because many Marshallese enrollees don't speak English or tend to move more often, Hawkins says Arkansas Legal Aid staff are working with community partners to connect with those needing to keep their coverage. So people that have been coming to us, they, they've been very confused by the notices that they were receiving, or they've gotten notices that told them the information came that never did. Um, and so, you know, slowing this process down would really help uh, prevent people from being subject to churn or falling through the cracks and experiencing interruptions, unexpected interruptions in access to health care. Lacking medical and financial resources, sick islanders are forced to resort to other measures. Uh, many have no choice but to go to emergency rooms or just completely go without uh, care altogether. Uh, you know, I've heard from folks that talk about whether, you know, if they lose their Medicaid, they're going to have to choose between their food or their medications. Um, you know, but, but some do have community clinics that they can go to, um, depending on where they're at, to, to get treatment when they don't, when, if they've lost insurance. Federally funded community clinics offer discount programs to patients based on income and household size, but serve all in need regardless of ability to pay. Hawkins says the state needs to establish, however, a special pathway for Marshallese to keep their Medicaid benefits. You know, outreach, um, explaining how things are going, having special um, lines for uh, Marshallese folks to be able to call and contact DHS in their native language. Um, would really make a difference in helping them understand what needs to be done and, and uh, prevent uh, them from falling through the cracks. Loretta Alexander is Health Policy Director with Arkansas Advocates for Children and Families, which works closely with the state's growing Pacific Islander community. She says Marshallese Medicaid enrollment, which started in early 2021 after congressional approval, was chaotic. But this redetermination of eligibility period is even more confusing. They got, you know, they just got access in, in the middle of the pandemic. So there is no return to normal for them. Alexander says she's asked the Arkansas Department of Human Services to provide data on COFA, migrant, Medicaid, enrollees with no response. We queried ADHS for data as well, and we're told it would take time to locate those numbers. And making matters more complex is that Arkansas is forced under a new state law to complete this review within six months, while most states are allowed a year. 
Well, the consequence is people that need their coverage and need to go to the doctor or need to, uh, you know, get prenatal care or the kids that, that may get sick or some elderly person that's getting sick is going to lose their coverage. Officials with the Arkansas Department of Human Services declined being interviewed for this report, but in a statement, spokesperson Gavin Lesnick wrote that DHS is working to ensure that Marshallese who are eligible for Medicaid are able to keep their coverage. These efforts include posting Marshallese language alerts on the agency's Medicaid renewal web portal, providing support services to county public health offices, and partnering with Arkansas Coalition of Marshallese on outreach. And leading up to the statewide Medicaid redetermination period agency added staff met with numerous providers, partners, and stakeholders to formulate awareness campaigns and online toolkits. Medicaid beneficiaries who believe they may have been disenrolled in error can appeal to be reinstated. That process posted at ar.gov renew. As for individuals who no longer qualify for Medicaid, officials suggest they purchase insurance through employer-based plans or on the federal health care marketplace. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. If you would like to keep up with the stories that you hear on Ozarks at Large, just subscribe to the Ozarks at Large newsletter. You get it every Monday through Friday morning in your email inbox. It's absolutely free. All you have to do is go to KUAF.com. If you have a business or organization within KUAF's listening area and want to support public radio while connecting our thousands of engaged listeners with your services, consider becoming a KUAF business member today. Starting at just $500, you'll be linked on our business members directory and mentioned during our spring and fall on-air fund drives. Sign up today at KUAF.com. Still to come on today's show, a new book helps introduce children to gardening through the alphabet. You know, I did find something for X. It's Zyrus, which is a yellow-eyed grass. Jane Bosco will read from her new book, ABC, Come Garden With Me, Saturday morning at Pearl's Books. And we'll talk with her in today's second half hour. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art in Bentonville invites guests to discover American art, architecture, and 120 acres of Ozark nature. Visitors can also enjoy family-friendly activities and programs and a variety of food and drink experiences. More information at crystalbridges.org. A group is once again trying to repeal a new wide-sweeping education law. Members of Citizens for Arkansas Public Education and Students, or CAPES, say they will submit a ballot title to Attorney General Tim Griffin for a third time later this week. The group has been rejected twice in their effort to get a ballot title approved for a referendum to repeal the Arkansas Learns Act, which was signed into law by Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders earlier this year. The group must get the ballot title approved by the Attorney General's office before they can begin collecting signatures for the measure to be placed on the November ballot. Clarksville will be home to Arkansas's first hydrogen power plant. The city signed an agreement with Syntex Industries to build the hub, and it's expected to cost about $250 million. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports this plant is the first in the company's effort to create a hydrogen power grid. The hydrogen power plant is estimated to bring about 100 jobs to the area and produce 500 megawatts of energy. This is not the first time the city invested in green initiatives. In 2020, Clarksville became the first solar-powered city in the state. Steve Hauserman, Clarksville's economic developer, says there is an increased demand for electricity and it's necessary to have different energy sources. So I think this is a great way to, one, diversify our energy portfolio, keep prices down off of peak demand, and then it also uh, keeps the door wide open for new business to come in with no worries that they're going to experience a shortage of power. The plant's announcement comes at a time when there is more national interest in clean hydrogen. The federal government raised incentives for clean hydrogen production through measures like the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and the Inflation Reduction Act. For Ozarks at Large and the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One, I'm Anna Pope. The Food and Drug Administration is lifting restrictions prohibiting blood donations by gay and bisexual men. The restrictions were put in place in 1983 during the AIDS epidemic. 
to protect the blood supply from HIV. In recent years, gay and bisexual men were allowed to donate blood, but only after a three-month deferral period in which they had to refrain from having sex with another man. Anthony Roberts, executive director of Community Blood Center of the Ozarks in Springfield, says there is rationale for the new FDA rule. Well, basically it was to become a more compliant and um, align the United States with other countries such as uh, Canada and the United Kingdom. Roberts says blood donations have long been tested for infectious diseases, including HIV, the virus that causes AIDS, hepatitis, and other transmissible bloodborne pathogens. About a year ago now, the FDA started looking a little bit more specifically about what can be done to make it uh, more inclusive. So it's a individual risk-based assessment. Assessing anyone who comes forward to donate blood by asking anyone, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity, the same questions. The only change is that some questions will be more specific about sexual activity to better determine risk. Are you in a monogamous relationship? If you're in a monogamous relationship, whether you're male or female, uh, you will be able to donate blood uh, without regards to what your sexual activity is. Uh, if, if you are having sex with more than one individual, there'll be additional questions that we'll ask uh, pertaining to what kind of sexual activity you're having. And then depending on how you answer those set of questions, uh, that will determine whether you're going to be allowed to donate uh, with us or not. Roberts says depending on responses, donors may have to submit to a three-month deferral or be denied donor status entirely. With donation centers in Springdale, Bentonville, Joplin, and Springfield, Community Blood Center of the Ozarks supplies blood to 40 area health care facilities in Missouri, Arkansas, and Kansas, as well as air medical transport service. Bella Vista Police will be conducting extra safety patrols to enforce seatbelt laws later this month. A press release indicates Bella Vista Police will be participating in the National Click or ticket high visibility effort from May 22nd through June 4th. According to the National Highway and Transportation Safety Administration, in 2021, there were just fewer than 12,000 unbuckled passenger vehicle occupants killed in crashes in the United States. In that same year, 57% of passenger vehicle occupants killed between were killed between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. were not wearing their seatbelt. That's why one focus of the Click It or Ticket campaign is nighttime enforcement. Organizers of the annual Joe Martin Stage Race say they expect the largest professional field for this year's 46th installment of the cycling competition. Cyclists this year include riders who have won stages of the Tour de France, won the Tour of Switzerland, won the Canadian National Championship, and won U.S. National Championships. The racing starts tomorrow and concludes with the downtown Fayetteville Criterium Sunday. The Joe Martin is billed as the longest-running UCI-sanctioned multi-day stage race in North America. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Timothy Dennis. Candy Lee has been a fixture on the local music scene for quite a while now. Although she's performed with a number of different groups over the years, her latest effort, Candy Songs, directs her songwriting efforts at the region's younger audiences. The first album from the group, titled Backyard Bugs, is out now and will be celebrated with a release show later this month at Fayetteville Public Library. Earlier this month, Candy and fellow musicians Kelly Mulholland, Michael Scambry, Garrett Jones, and Joe Credit came to our Furman Garner Performance Studio to talk about writing and performing music for children and to perform a few songs for us. This is Candy Songs in the Backyard Bugs, and we're going to play a song for you called Busy Buzzy Bees. One, two, Honey bee, making yummy honey. 
think I started writing this album with a song called Lightning Bug. And it was inspired by my son and I going out and watching Lightning Bugs. And I don't know, I just thought, wouldn't it be cool if I did an entire album about bugs? Even though technically a lot of them aren't like bugs, they're insects, you know, if you want to get all like entomology on it. But, <laughs> but I thought it'd be fun and it did turn out really fun, so. Nice. Everyone here in the room, you're all accomplished musicians in your own right. You have your own gigs. Why did you decide to join this band? You know, when you have other opportunities that you also have, you know, during your own time. I've been keeping an eye on Candy Lee for 20-something years, uh, and I've always admired what she did. And Don and I, in Still on the Hill, play a lot of kids' music as well, and so uh, and she she needed a hand here, so yeah. I jumped in, and it's, it's, it's great. It's nice playing with such a, a fine band. Everybody Everybody's good. Yeah. That's it for me, and I've been a co-collaborator with Candy for years now, which has been a lot of fun working projects like Melody Pond with her, and she's worked a lot on our Vine Brothers projects on and off, so it's just a really great mutual relationship that seems to work really well with being able to prop one another up. Um, her songs are they're delightful. They're fun. So they're often introspective and philosophical, and uh, it's just good messaging, and it's fun songwriting. So even like as a bass player, it's fun because sometimes stuff is really laid back and simple and straightforward. Then a lot of the stuff that she does as well also really blossoms and opens up. And it's very melodic. She gives you a lot of leeway to embrace your own personalities as a performer. So that's a lot of fun for me personally. So one reason I like like hanging out with her still and play music with her still and we'll continue for years and years <laughs> going forward. So, I know. So. Perfect blend of being able to work with Candy and being able to play for children. I've spent a lot of my younger years and still do bicycle quite a bit and that, my favorite thing about uh, street performing is seeing children because most of the time kid, kids don't get to see live music. Right, right. Yeah. Kind of similar to these guys. Um, I've been following Candy for a long time. She messaged me and it was just kind of a no-brainer. It sounded fun and it was, well, it's kind of two-way it's uh, and when i found out garrett was involved i was definitely in because garrett is a is a guy that you know when i call him and ask for anything it's no questions asked he jumps on and helps and so once i found out he was involved too i was like okay now i have to do it <laughs> because yeah it's just great to be involved with these guys and play music with them so was the process of putting this album together was it a collaborative effort in writing the songs or were they all pretty well ready to go whenever everyone came on board so I had, like, the backbone, like, written, you know. I, I had written the songs out, and then we got together and just, like, rehearsed them, and, like, these guys all, you know, came up with their own parts and everything. And we got to give a little bit of credit to Adams Collins as well. He's on the album, mm. and he actually had, like, a lot of good ideas, so I just want to shout out to him and in uh, mm. kind of forming these songs, like, a little bit more fleshed out than they were before. Yeah. Yeah. This song is called Spindly Spider. And it glistens and glimmers in the glowing moonlight. Yeah, it takes all night to catch the fly. And it might seem just a little bit cruel. But it's the only thing that she knows how to do To catch some food And the spindly spider Waits so patiently Carefully collecting Catches from her masterpiece Wrapping them to Hard work indeed And it might seem Just a little bit cruel But it's the only thing That she knows how to do To catch some food And you might be tempted To knock her web down 
that she's your guardian, protecting you from all the pesky pests that you don't want around. The spindly spider spins her web so fine and it glistens and glimmers in the glowing moonlight. Yeah, it takes all night to catch the fly. So there is a release show for this album coming up, right? Yes. Tell us a little bit about it. Okay. So it's May 28th. It's at the Fayetteville Public Library, Mm -hmm. and it's from 2 to 4 p.m. It's kind of going to be an interesting show because kids can only take so much at a time, (laughs) and we only have so much kids' music to play for them. (laughs) So um, (laughs) we are going to start the kids' music at 2. We're going to play for, I think, about... 45 minutes and uh, we're going to take an intermission and then after that I'm going to play some of my older more I don't want to say adult music because that sounds weird not geared towards kids but I think it'll still be fun if families do want to stick around it'll still be a good time and it'll still be good music but aside from just the album and the release show you've been doing some other things as well with this music right yes I have started a uh, YouTube page it's called candy songs and so there are some backyard bugs songs on there so far we've made videos for two of them yeah so mosquitoes which is really fun and then ladybugs which all these guys are on and it's just the most fun music video i love it and then there's like songs about sharing and opposites and kind of like preschool slash like early elementary education songs as well yeah You've been doing this for at least a few months now. What's the kind of response you've gotten back from listeners, from audience? I've gotten really good feedback so far. People are really liking it. They're playing it for their kids. Their kids ask for it, and they ask to watch the videos, and they ask to listen to the music. So it's very encouraging. I hope it keeps going and keeps going. (laughs) This is maybe a foolish question, but... Which is your preferred audience, children or adults? Oh, children. <laughs> yeah. We're not all kids yeah. at heart. I mean, you get like a golf clap from adults, but like kids are like dancing and expressing themselves, mm. and it's just, oh man, I wish I wish adults would open themselves up to do that. Maybe they do after a beverage or two, but <laughs> but I love playing for kids. They're so great. Is it sometimes more fulfilling? to play for children because they you get more of a genuine reaction? Yes, I think so. I definitely think so. Especially when they've been listening to the music and they sing along and you're like, oh, I've reached somebody. So We played an Easter show and yeah. there was tons of kids and it was really, it's, it's interesting because it's sometimes can be harder to kind of capture their attention. Their, you know, their, their mind's all over the place. So it's almost like, it feels like more of an accomplishment <laughs> when you get a kid to be like, Wow, this is cool. It definitely feels better. You know, it does. It feels awesome. So it was a, it was a really fun show. It doesn't hurt when you're dressed as a weekly awesome fiddle player <laughs> as well. So. Oh, yes. There is that. We do dress up for this, by the way. We wear bug costumes, and you got to come out and see it in, its, yeah. in all of its glory. My sister made the costumes. Shannon Landry, we're very I've got to say, that last video y'all posted... Y'all looked wild. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely wild. It's so much fun. Like, yeah, you dress up and play these characters. You're playing your instrument. We're like, I gotta be a bass playing ladybug. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny, like, how do I take my boat? Like, eat an aphid and like just weird stuff like that. that so so you're, you're on a green screen, so you're just like imagining all these like weird things happening and just yeah. hoping somebody will do something in post with it. And, um, and they sure did. Absolutely, yeah. No, these just keep getting more intriguing and ridiculous as it goes forward, yeah. but in a good way. So. That must have been in the fine print when I agreed to do this. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to start reading this stuff a little closer. Yes. Oh, by the way, you have to wear, um, you have to dress like a, a bumblebee for this next concert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by the way. I honestly take any I'm excuse slip- to dress up. They're very clever outfits, actually. You know, they're, uh, yeah, yes. they're nicely made. 
So this album is Backyard Bugs. Do you have an idea for the next album or what you're going to yeah. do next? Oh, man. I so have uh, many ideas. <laughs> um, so there's definitely going to be Backyard Bugs, too. I'm already working on that. Probably going to wait a while to release that one. But I have a song, or an album about emotions. It's called We All Have Emotions. I think some adults could use yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that is the one where I was like, okay, I made this for my kids to listen to. Well, so I like that, you're saying, like, it's okay to feel. It's okay to feel yeah, is on there. Like so, you know, it's okay to feel these big feelings, but it's not okay to take it out on other people. That's not okay. So there's that album. And then I'm also writing an album called Songs to Start Your Day, mm. which is all about creating the healthy habits that you need to, like, get yourself ready for school. <laughs> so where is the best place for people to keep up with Candy Songs? Okay, so I have a website, mm-hmm. candysongs.com. And then I'm on Facebook. Facebook is usually where I'm posting different events and things like that. But if you want to check out the YouTube, I think it's like youtube.com uh, and then at Candy Songs mm-hmm. official. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to throw the official on everything. Right, right. <sighs> this is a song called Ladybugs. Not all ladybugs are ladies, sure it sounds a little crazy. Lady, ladybugs hatch babies that are called larvae. Ladybugs find aphids tasty, aphids are pets that are hasty. To destroy the crops and that is why we love ladybugs. Ladybugs protect the flowers, fruits, and vegetables. That was Candy Lee on guitar and vocals, Garrett Jones on bass, Kelly Mulholland on banjo, Joe Credit mandolin, and Michael Scambry on fiddle. They performed together as Candy Songs and the Backyard Bugs. The release show for Backyard Bugs Volume 1 will be from 2 to 4 p.m. May 28th at Fayetteville Public Library. Physical copies of the album will be available at the show, but the music is available now on streaming music platforms. You can find out more information at CandySongs.com or at Candy Songs Official on YouTube. Historic Cane Hill presents Nylog and Beyond, 20th Century Swirl Art Pottery, now through July 8th. This exhibition features the swirled mission wear and pieces inspired by the Arkansas-made Nylog Pottery. The Historic Cane Hill Gallery is open Thursday through Saturday, 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. and by appointment. More at historiccanehillar.com. 
ozarksatlarge.org. This is Ozarks at Large. When Jane Bosco was a girl, she spent many of her weekend summers on her grandfather's farm in rural Minnesota, helping plant sunflowers and other plants, memories of which she keeps close to her today. Her love of gardening continues, and she's sharing that love with a new generation. Her book, ABC Come Garden With Me, lets children learn about flowers, herbs, fruits, and vegetables through rhyme. She'll read from that book Saturday morning at 11 at Pearl's Books in Fayetteville. Yesterday, I called her to talk about the book, about gardening, and about those days in Minnesota helping her grandfather. His passion, I mean, he had, he was a welder. He worked with wood. He built everything on that farm. Um, but he, uh, his main passion was gardening, and he loved um, bringing me and my brothers to help him in the greenhouse. My brothers would be putting manure on the watermelon and pumpkin piles um, to fertilize them, and he would have me picking rhubarb or sowing sunflower seeds. It was the best. Uh, we spent all summer there. Almost every weekend we spent um, at my grandpa's farm. And it was honestly the best memories of my childhood was being working with my grandfather. You have children of your own now. Uh, do they enjoy getting dirty? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> they love helping me, especially sowing those seeds and watering them. Uh, now I have them with little spray, spray guns and they go and water the plants for me almost every morning, you know, every few mornings during the week. Well, if the if if your your passion for gardening and putting things in the ground started when you were a child, when did you begin thinking about this book? Honestly, I thought about it maybe a couple years ago. Thought maybe you know maybe one day I can write a children's book, not necessarily about gardening, but I always thought maybe I could since I I homeschool my daughter or all my kids, but my daughter's the oldest. Um, and then last year I just started writing and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it about gardening since I love gardening and I love educating um, children. So I was like, I'm going to combine the two and see if I can come up with this book. And it took me several months to write it and finish it. And then I had my sister-in-law illustrate it. And a year later, my book was published. Well, I'm glad you brought up that Bethany Klein, the illustrator, is your sister-in-law, because I know that can always be the challenge, right? Finding the right images to in a children's book to go with the words. So, uh, worked well with your sister-in-law? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I trusted her 100%. She's a nature lover herself. She also loves tending to plants. Um, we always exchange seeds and plants when we can. Um, but yeah, she, right now she does, she does coffee illustrations. She, um, she works with coffee, coffee art, um, which is super cool, but she's always drawing animals. And I knew that she was exactly the person I wanted and she's never, um, illustrated a children's book before. So this is something completely out of her realm. And she, exceeded tenfold. I'm so happy with the illustrations. Um, couldn't be happier. Now, I know your children are young, but have you tested ABC Come Garden with me, with them? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I, I have read it many, many times to them. Um, my daughter will even chime in, like, randomly, she'll, she'll tell me, like, do you know that sunflowers, they give us shade, <laughs> which is, you know, a rhyme in the book. It says, let's Let's plant these big, beautiful blooms as they give us shade, as their tower, towers will loom. And it's just like the little rhymes that, that help educate the kids, and those little rhymes will stick in their head, which helps them realize what, what certain plants will do, why we sow them, why we, how we harvest them. Um, so it's cool that she's repeating those rhymes back to me. We're led through the book by Astra, who is a young girl who has discovered that she loves gardening. What did you want Astra to embody, and how did you come to her to be your, our guide? Well, I wanted her to be slightly older um, so kids could look up to her. Um, and honestly, my daughter was in mind. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter, she's only four, but... 
you know, I envisioned what maybe my daughter might look like because since my daughter has helped me in the garden um, for almost five years now and while I was pregnant with her. <laughs> um, so I kind of was envisioning what she might look like. And when Bethany came up with, I think she gave me about six different varieties of characters, I knew exactly which one I wanted. And um, we tweaked what, you know, what she was wearing and how her hair would be and stuff. But overall, I was inspired by my, my own daughter. The title is ABC, Come Garden With Me. So we, you know, have asparagus for A, zinnias for Z. Was there any challenge for you? Like, what's gonna, what letter is going to represent what herb or f- vegetable in the book? Yes, of course. <laughs> Everyone always says, and what's X? Come on, what is X? What did you possibly put for X? And, you know, I did have to do some research. And I had to, you know, I had to make sure that, you know, everything was accurate. And, you know, I did find something for X. It's Zyrus, which is a yellow-eyed grass. So, um, you know, I put that in the flower bed. Um, but... Yeah, it, it was definitely, some of them were challenging, but I knew most of them. You mentioned that you've read it with your daughter and she's memorizing it. What's it like to read to a larger group of children? Because, you know, young children's attention spans aren't always as long as perhaps their older siblings or parents. What have you discovered about that? Okay. Of course. So I actually haven't read my book to a large group of kids <laughs> quite yet, but I will be this summer at the Botanical Garden. Um, but what I did with, what I have in mind with that is, so I put in lots of insects and lots, lots of bugs, insects, butterflies throughout my entire book. So I wanted to engage the even younger crowd by showing the life that's in this book, whether it's bees or snails, there's more to this book than just what is that front? You know, there's there's fox in the background, you know, so that even the younger kids can look and try to find the fox or try to find the butterfly or the snail on the on the plant. Um, so that helps engage the younger crowd as well. And what do you think children can can get from from gardening, not just the 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 fellowship that they would have with their parent or grandparent or siblings and not just you know, the excitement of watching something that you put in the ground grow. Do you think there are other lessons that can come from, from gardening? Well, it's, it's a lot of hard work. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's tending to, to life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, of course, watching something grow from a seed is, is really fascinating and, and really cool to see it bloom. And you see the pollinators come, and then you see your fruit or vegetable but then it's also bringing it to the table and having that that bond of starting some seed and then eating it and watching how the earth can provide for us and does provide for us. And we need it just as much as, you know, even even, you know, the insects, you know, the flowers that, that bloom with the gardens, you know, the whole ecosystem. We're all working together. Jane Bosco's book is ABC, Come Garden With Me. She'll be at Pearl's Books in downtown Fayetteville Saturday morning at 11. She'll also be reading at the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks on June 7th. Our conversation took place yesterday. I'm Maria Hinojosa. This week on Latino USA, a conversation with music legend Linda Ronstadt. We talk with her about her memories, about growing up in Tucson, Arizona, about reckoning with her family history and her legacy. I felt okay as long as the music was good. And I continually wanted to go to Mexican music. And finally, I just did. That's this week on Latino USA. Latino USA, Sunday afternoon at 3 on KUAF. You can listen to us, by the way, anywhere by streaming our signal at KUAF.com. On tomorrow's edition of Ozarks at Large, this year's Fresh Grass in Bentonville will have some really fresh songs. But when you get six people that are all at a very high level to work together, um, and you know that there's this expectation of, Nobody wants to look bad when they go up on stage. So they will hold each other, just inherently, they will hold each other accountable. House of Songs brings together half a dozen songwriters from near and far to write songs together this week that will then be performed 
this week. That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. And by asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. On the next Resilient Black Women. Joy and Denisha reflect on their time at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, where they led a presentation on black women and mental health earlier this spring. The research discusses how oftentimes for black women, depression does not show up in our bodies as being sad and fatigued. But instead, for black women, depression shows up in our bodies, maybe with some anger, some irritation, some frustration. The the term that I kept reading in the literature was black women tend to have um, a high performing anxiety and a high performing depression. Listen to all episodes of Resilient Black Women for free at KUAF.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is just past us now, but we want to have another observation. Last Sunday on Weekend Ozarks at Large, we took note of Mother's Day by sharing the first recorded conversation in our new KUAF listening lab. Made possible through a grant from the Walmart Foundation's Creating Community in Northwest Arkansas through Bridging and Belonging Initiatives, the Listening Lab is going to bring people to solve the problem that communities are more disparate than similar. Last week, Amira and Rhonda, two women who hadn't met each other before the conversation, discussed motherhood. So, Hi, Amira. I'm Rhonda. And um, just wanted to talk to you about your memories of something really funny that happened to you as a mother. Um, hello, I'm Amira, and um, something funny that happened to me when, um, it was actually when I was pregnant, um, I was a teen mom, and mm-hmm. um, I was in, I would say, eighth grade when I had, um, when I was pregnant with my first daughter, and um, the school always uh, made sure to make me feel included, mm-hmm. and so everyone um, was riding bikes, and I just uh, have this, like, really funny memory of me being pregnant, but also being included and riding a tricycle. <laughs> and I just thought it was, like, very sweet of them to still include me. Uh-huh. And I came home, and I told my mom how, how much fun I had had. <laughs> that's good. That's, yes. that's sweet. Um, how about you? Well, um, having three boys, there was a lot of moments that probably weren't funny at the time, but then looking back at them, they, they were pretty funny. So one particular funny moment, I remember uh, going to um, a museum, and we were looking at all the exhibits, and then I turn around, and my little toddler had stuck his head through iron uh, post on a railing. And so we couldn't get him out and, you know, was gathering a crowd, watching the uh, episode play out, and finally figured out that if we turned him sideways, his body was small enough to pull him through the iron rails. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So that was typical boy, you know, activities, just getting into messes all the time. Was there anything in particular that your parents uh, did when you were a kid that you swore you would never do as a parent yourself? Um, yes, I think it would be... There's a lot of things, actually, that mm-hmm. sometimes we say, I'm right. never doing that. Right. But then you grow up to be a parent and you catch yourself doing the same uh-huh. things. Um, nothing bad, but I think um, just like... My parents never pushed me to do sports. Right. <laughs> um, and for my kids, I want to push them to their full potential. And that was that was my fault. That wasn't their fault. Uh-huh. It was just I was more of a, um, I didn't want to do it. And right. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and then there's also like those things like, ah, when I grow up, I'm never going to make my kid clean uh-huh. like you did. Right. Or, right. But yeah. And then you see the, the need for that. Yes. Mm-hmm. We need to teach them. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um I had great parents also, and, um, you know, everything that they they did raising me, I felt like, was, you know, good teaching skills and all. The only—when I was thinking about this, the only thing that I can think of is they taught me to always clean my plate, you know? And then as an adult, I realized that, man, that's a problem because I overeat because I, you know, don't want to leave anything left on the plate. And Mm -hmm. so that was one thing that maybe I— didn't enforce, you know, when you're full, it's fine to, to leave the food on the plate. Yes. So you have older 
children and your younger children. So how have your fears changed from when you were just a brand new mom to now? Um, I feel like uh, as a as a mother, like in any stage, I feel like we always have fears. Mm-hmm. Um, but particularly one is um, one of my biggest fears was not being able to um, maybe make it in life. Um in that sense, I mean, like, as in, like, you know, death happens right. or my kid's not growing up without me. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my biggest fears or in labor. Like, mm-hmm. just things can go left at any time. Right. Um, that's just been one of my biggest fears ever. But um, how about you? Well, you know, being in um, my children are all grown and, you know, have their own children now. And I... I realize that as a young mom, you know, you worry about, like what you said, you know, making sure that you're always there for them, making sure they have plenty to eat, making sure, you know, they don't get hurt. And um, then as as a mom of adult children, your fears change completely, you know, because now you're worrying about, you know, their struggles in life, you know, their marriages and their children and, and the struggles that they are going through. And um, the the fears never leave you as a mom, oh, you know, no. no matter how old you are, how old your children are, you still fear for them and you want the best for them. And... Um, you know, that just never leaves you as a mom. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. It's never ending. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. And thanks, mothers, for your never ending work. Amira and Rhonda meeting for the first time in our listening lab earlier this month. We'll share more conversations from the listening lab as the year continues. Visits made possible through the Walmart Foundation's Creating Community in Northwest Arkansas through Bridging and Belonging Initiatives. Our listening lab coordinator, by the way, is Emerson Alexander. This is your public radio station for nearly four decades, KUAF Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Gentry. Contributors to today's Ozarks at Large included Jacqueline Froelich and Anna Pope. Timothy produced the program inside the Herald and Blanchcock News Studio. Additional content today came from the news studio at KUAR in Little Rock. Our director of community engagement at KUAF is Jasper Logan. And our theme music is titled The First Hurrah. It's written and performed by Daryl Sean. Yesterday, was it yesterday I mentioned that we were in the, the Northwest Arkansas was in the top 10? Yeah, that was yesterday. So it was also in the top 10 of another list. Oh, really? Ranked ninth in the Milken list. Well, so I think I like Milken over U.S. News and World Reports. Because <laughs> we're one today. higher. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have another show. Tomorrow is Thursday, so we'll right. be back together at noon and 7. Right. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Timothy Dennis. Please be well and have a great Wednesday.